Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of the Master of None podcast. I am your host, as always, Stephen Murphy. I'm joined by a new guest this uh, this week. I've been on, had the blessing of being on his podcast. But I'm joined by Peter Lockhart from the Ulster Rugby Lad podcast. Peter, how are you, bud? I'm good, thanks. I was saying to you before uh, we started recording there, I haven't stopped smiling since yesterday. The news of Ireland signing for Ulster. And I think I speak for everyone in Ulster when I say it came as a complete shock. And um uh just couldn't couldn't have got better news uh, at the start of the season i think some some fans were feeling a wee bit disheartened after we didn't get a big name signing and okay uh, yeah, i'm just i'm cloud nine at the minute <laughs> it is it's we were laughing uh, when we organized this we organized this about a week ago and it was going to be a very different i think podcast to what we're going to record today because it's such a massive signing it has totally changed the outlook for the season for Ulster, which is just fantastic, and anyone who's listened to our Leinster, uh, my Leinster one with uh, with Rugby Kino there the other day, we were saying how dangerous Ulster are. It's, we were saying then it's a shame they haven't made a big move in the off season, and then literally twelve hours later, uh, almost despite us, they released the news that Dwayne Remulin has has joined. So we'll get to that later on because we have a section uh, we talk about the new signings, which was going to be basically Peter us saying how disappointed that the Leon Nakarawa signing hasn't gone through and that's just <laughs> going to be out the window now who cares what a exactly what a what an if situation what if what if they had assigned leon nakarara he would have been injured the whole we we'll get to that later on yeah yeah um, yeah we'll talk about, about briefly last season because uh, a good season i think overall in terms for ulster a step in the right direction you know in, in the pro 14 coming second in conference a same wins and losses as leinster just yeah. unfortunately with bonus points not really getting and the the year it was no semi-finals just a final uh, you know it was unfortunate that you know they couldn't really get to semi-finals because who knows what could have happened uh challenge cup obviously getting the challenge cup wasn't ideal from the champions cup but still i think we all Especially here in the podcast, we we're hoping also we'll go on to win that once Connacht got knocked out. Uh, and we we thought that a really good chance, but Leicester Tigers also knocking out Connacht, uh, knocking out Ulster in the semi-finals of that Challenge Cup. How are you as a fan, Peter? Was it a, Do you look back on that season content? Um, it was it was a bit of an up and down season, uh, as as you're saying. So um, the criticism made of the the Pro 14 has been the lack of of competition, really. Um, in the past few years, um, it's been uh, easy easy enough to win um, the majority of games. So we won in the in the Pro 14, 14 or 16 games last year, uh, beaten by Leinster twice, um, and. When, when it came down to it, when it really matters, we didn't uh, we didn't turn up, we didn't win. Um, that most most uh, glaringly um, was against um, Leicester in the in the Challenge Cup, um, where we dominated most of the game. And I remember I say, I saw a tweet from Stephen Ferris uh, towards this end of the first half, and he said we could put we could put forty on on these lads. And then I sort of knew at that point we we're going to throw it away, aren't we? And of course, uh, Cooney went off with a concussion, and uh, that changed the momentum of the game. Everything, everything changed, and I think there's that mental block um, for Ulster. Um, there has been for a few years now. Um, we can do so well, and then we get to a certain stage, and we get beaten. We got beaten in the Heineken Cup um, to lose in Gloucester. Um, so I think, to be honest, the Pro 14 can lull you into a false sense of security. 
and you're, you're beating these teams week in week out. You think you have, um, you think you haven't made, and then you play against legitimately high quality teams, and uh, you can't get a result against them. So um, up and down, and then Rainbow Cups. No one massively cared about. I think that's fair to say, or at least from a Ulster perspective, <laughs> that's the, that's the party line anyway. Um, losing against uh, each each province, and then finishing the, the the season on somewhat of a high against Edinburgh in a game which. I, at the end of the day, these are sort of treated as friendlies for the most part. Um, and uh, yeah, so in those games, I suppose a few few uh, guys got a run out um, and that continued. And we'll talk about that, I'm sure, about pre-season this year. But all in all, bit up and down, but the usual problem of failing uh, when, it, when it really matters and just not getting over that final hurdle. Yeah, the Rainbow Cup was when you won the first game, you're, you were invested then because you had a chance. <laughs> yeah. And then if you lost the first game, you're like, ah, who cares? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was a win-win for both sides <laughs> at that stage. Um, you mentioned that mental block with Ulster, and it, it does seem apparent when you know. I remember when the the build up to the Ulster Leinster games, I was like, oh, Ulster, they could really give them a good go here, and it just never seemed, as you said, materialise. Yeah. What do you think that is? Is is it a mixture of inexperience and youth? Because you know Ulster do have a lot of young guys there, or is it just that you know? Wh- why do you think that mental block is there? It's an interesting question because um, I don't think you can put it down to the coaches. I think um, I think actually the opposite. I think Dan McFarland has been fantastic at bringing the, the side forward mentally. He's instilled this mantra, fight for every inch. Um, in terms of his support staff as well, Dan Super, who's been made assistant coach this year, a lot of players sort of attribute uh, to him um, development in their game in terms of bringing them forward, um, bringing them to the next level mentally. He's sort of like, he's not a, a sports psychologist as such, but he seems to... Um, he seems to be the guy that players go to whenever they need a bit of confidence building, uh, talk them through the process. So in answer to your question, it's, it's not entirely clear, uh, as with a lot of sports, why, uh, why we have tended to fail at, the, at that last hurdle. And I think, as you say, it's a combination of um, maybe a lack of um, experienced winners in the team. Um, now, again, we'll turn to talk uh, about this a wee bit later. I think historically, especially with Ulster, whenever that sort of um, 2011, 2012, around that era, we had a core of world-class players, South African, largely South African guys. Later, John Ofoa joined that team. And you've got these guys who are experienced in winning. And um, it's probably something that we've lacked. We've got a lot of good players, um, but we don't have that many truly great players in that Ulster squad. And I think with the addition of one, potentially uh, a, a, a couple, um, maybe need another sort of world-class player to bring us to the very top level. But that addition of Vermeulen that we'll talk about uh, could make the difference. Just having that guy, that winning mentality in the team could could challenge everyone to bring them to the next level. Yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a great point. Uh, the new URC format, first of all, I, do you like the new branding? Do you like what they've done with it? Yeah, I, I wasn't I wasn't in, entirely invested. And then I saw they put out a promo video on Twitter. And I saw it and I went, that looks amazing. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah, they did a good job. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I'm easily influenced, obviously, because I saw, <laughs> I, I saw that. And I was like, there's a bit of rap music over the top. Um, 
and a very a very slick uh, video montage of all the best moments and I thought right I'm on board for this now so I think the branding helps it makes it more accessible to um, a wider audience I think packaging is important it's not the be all and end all but if you package a product correctly you'll get you get more people watching more people invested um, and uh, yeah I in terms of the actual the actual format I have to say I'm a fan I think um, it's it's nice, as I say, to win every, every game uh, or, or the majority of your games in the Pro 14. Um, but there is an element of it didn't really matter. Um, we sort of took those games for granted. Now every game is significant. Um, there, there's a real challenge, the, these regional pools that they've introduced. So the provincial games, um, again, there's uh, so much more competition now. Uh, adds a bit of edge to, to it. Um, and I think Interpros had lost a wee bit of that spice uh, in the past past few seasons. And hopefully with this new format, it brings it back. I'm actually delighted to see. I like the fact you've got that Italian and Scotland pool as well. Um, so that they, I mean, a team from one of those countries will, will get Champions Cup qualification off the back of this. I think that's good. I think it 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 mixes things up a wee bit, um, and uh, it, it's probably counterintuitive for me to say I like this format because it actually uh, <laughs> it, it'll probably prove detrimental to Ulster, quite frankly. But yeah, um, Connacht's in the same boat too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're the same Irish provinces, so Connacht and Ulster are the ones who are probably thinking, "Oh, flip! Right, this is this is going to be a different kettle of fish." Um, but I have to say, actually, like that, I'd rather. Um, I, I'd rather be in that situation where every game is meaningful. And there's that that Ric Flair quote, um, "To be the man, you've got to beat the man." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, I actually, I actually um, so, so agree with that. Like, if you if you want to be considered a top team and you want to be considered successful, you have to beat the top teams at uh, number one in your in your region. And and for us, it's it's beating either Leinster or Munster. Um, so it'll be tricky, but I'm a fan of it. What about you? Yeah, I think you made a great point. If you look at it as a fan of your team, especially the likes of Connacht, yeah, you, if the format doesn't lead itself to like you know Champions Cup qualification, which is obviously not what you want. But then if you actually look at it from a, a you know as it is being fair overall, it is probably the best format, and it will. It's very hard to bring on teams like a Zebra, like a Benetton, you know, giving them exposure to a Champions Cup team level you know caliber of competition that will make them better which then in you know you would hope in the long term makes the league more competitive and so there's two ways of looking at it. there's obviously the way of looking at it as the the organizers have looked at it who aren't looking at it as a fan and I think they've made the right decision they've done it as smart as well so they've given it two years and then they'll review it and then it depends if everyone votes for it or not. So at least they've given themselves an out if it doesn't work and if people yeah. are not happy with it. Yeah. They've only given themselves two years. So I think that's smart. I totally agree with the branding and stuff. Like A lot of people aren't happy that it's sort of, it's almost like an American influence in a way, but like they're the kings of fucking branding shit. You know, they're the kings yeah. of promotion. Yeah. Like look at the NFL, NBA. Like I always say, look at the darts like on Sky Sports. The amount of people that watch darts who couldn't give a flying fuck about darts. Do you know what I mean? But they watch it because it's a spectacle. It's it's a bit of crack. It's, yeah, you know, they've yeah. done a great job with it. And rugby needs that a bit. It needs brought into the 21st century. And I think there's, 
it's a move in the right direction in that in my opinion anyway 100 I, th- I think you're entirely right i love all the uh sort of surrounding um pageantry do you know um now it you don't need to dilute the game you don't need to dumb it down but you do need to make it more accessible and uh, in some senses, the, the branding will help with that. It'll get people people involved. The other thing as well, I suppose, what we're both trying to do in our own way is is give more coverage and analysis of games, um, talk about the games, get people invested. The more people are interested and invested, the more people will watch, the better it is for the game of rugby and for this competition. So, um, <laughs> so I'm not saying we're between ourselves, we're 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 yeah, yeah. Hel- helping yeah. helping save rugby. But I think I think the more people who, who the more discussion that gets uh, started around games, and and the more you, you can get people engaged, more casual fans engaged, the better. I'm happy to say that we are saving the game. I'm, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll go with that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? Uh, we'll chat about pre-season so far. How has also pre-season been from a fan point of view? Yeah, so pre-season, um, again, game of a uh, couple of games, completely contrasting emotions uh, after after them. So the first game was at home against Saracens, and you may have seen uh, we got um, fairly well beaten. Uh, it was there was twenty points. It's forty five um, twenty one um, to to Saracens. Um, now I came away from that game really negative. I, I thought, oh no, right, we're in for another long season here. Um, on reflection, it, it wasn't too bad. We actually give a lot of young guys a chance. It was, it was pretty sensible. You may as well give guys a run out now, give them exposure to um, playing at a top level against a top team. Uh, so it's not such uh, a shot in the system. There won't be rabbits in the headlights whenever they actually do get a start or they're chucked in uh, in, say, uh, an important um, rugby championship game or Titan Cup game. They've had a bit of exposure to that. Um a few guys, again, we'll talk about breakout players this season who, who are coming through. A few guys got a chance and did really well. Um, young crop, Callum Reid, uh, who's come through the academy at Ulster, uh, actually really stood out in that game. And despite the fact um, we had a really tough time, it was her pack got dominated. Saracens won all the collisions. And um, just a few young guys in the back three, sort of maybe not, not in the best positions. Saracens walked in a few tries. Um, so we got fairly well beaten. And then contrasting emotions the week after, Ulster did Saracens um, at, uh, in London. Um, at sort of a random, it was, it was really weird. I don't know if you saw any of it, but it was in a sort of central London uh, rugby pitch. And it looked like a corporate event. There was all these suits down the side of the pitch, all sipping Prosecco. And so it made me even happier whenever we absolutely trounced them. <laughs> all these guys who had turned up and uh, expected to see Saracens walk over Ulster. And uh, we beat them by 30 points, and it was great. So um, off the back of that game, we, we saw a lot uh, a, a lot of guys who we expect to start um, more this season. John Cooney came into the team, uh, Balakoon, Hume, Moore, um, Billy Burns, all these guys starting, and it made a huge difference. I think just that bit of experience. I don't think Saracens uh, knew what had hit them. And um, again, some outstanding performances from there, there's another young winger called Ethan McElroy who, who played, got man of the match, um, did very well. Craig Gilroy's having a bit of an Indian summer in his career. Uh, he sort of he struggled with injury and um, maybe dropped in and out of form. Um, he, he, he got a couple of tries as well. So um, what, what really impressed me about that game is um, everything just clicked. Um, 
one of those games, you know, uh, the mall went well, the set piece went well, um, gave up nothing in defence. Even we went the man down sort of later on to the game, didn't give up anything in defence off the back of that. And um, all in all, uh, pretty happy with that game. So uh, in answer to your question, pre-season has been, has been a, a roller coaster over the course of two games, but um, pretty content. And for reasons we alluded to at the very start of the podcast, uh, very excited about this season ahead. Yes, that leads us perfectly into our next section, which is let's chat about the new signings. Yeah. Uh, again, this was going to be more of a why haven't Ulster done much? Why haven't they signed someone big? And then boom, Dwayne Vermeulen has signed for Ulster. Um, you know, the, the, it was man the match in the World Cup final two years ago. Would have been the starting Lions number eight if it had not been for injury. And now he's going to be playing in an Ulster jersey, Peter. How, like, just have you've, you've sort of said you haven't really wrapped your head around it yet, have you? No, uh, to be honest, I haven't. And uh, honestly, this this sounds like a joke, but the first thing I did was check it wasn't April 1st whenever I saw the news. Someone sent I've seen a few people <laughs> say that, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even joking whenever I say it. I had to, I had to, had to check and go, well, obviously it's not. But um, in terms of signing for, for Mulan, the impact that will have. Um, uh, can't be overstated in terms of uh, I said to you before you can make a couple of analogies uh, I'm, in, I'm into football I know uh, you cover a lot of sports in your podcast we compare that to Ronaldo signing for United for anyone who's not a huge rugby fan that's what it's about it, it's, it's like that although it's like Ronaldo signing for like a mid-table team in the Premiership it's uh, it's a massive it's a massive signing high, very high profile um, the other, the other one, I suppose, would be Rocky Elsom signing for Leinster. Uh, in terms of a guy who can come and almost single-handedly um, raise the game of everyone, and it's not that Leinster didn't have a good team, um, but Rocky Elsom came into that team and elevated them to the next level. And again, you can easily draw the comparison with Ulster. We have a good young team, um, uh, no world beaters, probably in terms of world-class players. Um, Ian Henderson's there, Cooney's a very good player, um, but maybe no one who has the, that X factor. You bring in a guy like Vermeulen, some uh, some doubters are sort of going on about, oh, he's 35, um, oh, he's, he's, uh, he's sort of winding down. I don't think he's, he's showing any signs that he's winding down in his career. I think he's physically as, as big and destructive as he always has been. He's starting the eighth for South Africa. The only reason he didn't feature against the Lions is because he was out of injury. Um, in terms of um, that, that notion again, using a football analogy, you can't win anything with kids and also have this very good young team. But realistically, um, they, they weren't going to win anything with that, with that squad without Vermeulen. Uh, in terms of breeding confidence in youngsters, Vermeulen will have that huge impact. Um, as again, as we we're talking about before. He could have gone elsewhere. He could have gone to Japan. He could have gone to England. The Premiership teams have a lot more power, uh, spending power than than um, Lully Ulster. But he came here because I think he, whoever, I think it was Bryn Cunningham primarily, uh, who um, is sort of our in, in charge of our recruitment, obviously has amazing powers of persuasion. And we, we talked before as well about um, Ryan Pinar and Marcel Kitsia. They must have had a hand in this as well in terms of luring uh, uh, Vermeulen over here and convincing him of the um, the sort of values and um, 
and what Ulster are aiming to achieve. And I think uh, he, he sort of released a very brief statement that said he really buys into that. And what Ulster said to him really resonated with him. So whatever they said, brilliant. Whatever it takes to get him here, absolutely delighted. So in, ter- in terms of like what he's like as a player, for anyone who, who doesn't watch much rugby, who's listening, I don't know if there's many casual fans who'll be listening to, to a pre-season uh, podcast. But anyway... As we know, he's a massive ball carrier, which is something Ulster really lacked um, whenever Katsia left. Um, a few few good guys in there. Nick Timoney, we're sort of pinning our hopes on him. Oh, he's a different type of player to Katsia. Um, we would have had to adapt uh, our, our style of play um, to suit uh, Timoney. In terms of like for like replacements, you're not going to get anyone who, who's, who's just like Katsia, but in terms of someone to take on that weight of responsibility at ball carrying, you're not going to get many better than for Mullen. Just massive, physically massive, steady at the back of a scrum. He's going he's gonna to be able to, um, you don't see many number eights pick and go anymore. We see a bit of that. He can draw defenders in, create space. And um, creating space for Ulster will be massive this year. Getting through the point of contact, um, a thunderous tackler, massive in defence as well. So, <laughs> in summary, he, he's an all-rounder, massive ball carrier. It's exactly what Ulster were crying out for, exactly what we needed. We talked about Nakarawa, who was supposed to sign for Ulster, failed his medical. What a blessing in disguise. Potentially a dodged bullet. Nothing against Nakarawa, but um, I think he has issues with injury and um, it just wouldn't have, um, he, he wouldn't have had a similar style of play uh, to to Katsia or for Mullen for that matter um, and so uh, I think we're all slightly disappointed at the time um, but on reflection I think we probably have dodged the bullet there especially with this news of, of for Mullen signing World Cup winner will challenge everyone to be better and bring the best out of everyone World Cup uh, so, so best player in the World Cup final brings that winning mindset and um, yeah what more can I say absolutely delighted yeah, I, I, I love, there's a, a thing in sports, a theory of the what-ifs in sport. So basically, you know, what if this person hadn't done this, how would the next couple of years pan out differently for certain teams and whatnot? And this Nakarawa and Vermeulen is going to be a huge what-if for for Ulster. Because uh, Nakarawa is a fantastic player, but he's not the leader or the mental sort of, you know, mental strength of a Dwayne Vermeulen. Uh, he would have been brilliant, don't get me wrong, he would have brought Ulster on, but to the same level Vermeulen would, I don't think so. So, you know, what if he does sign? What if the injuries do go bad? It's a wasted two years of Ulster's kind of potential, their team, everyone's two years older, where now you're getting in a Vermeulen who I, I think we're assuming is pretty fit, pretty healthy. Um, and it's just such a it's such a different way of looking at uh, at Ulster. Like we I was chatting to another man of mine, uh, Niall, who's a big Ulster fan, who will be listening to this, I'm sure, and he was saying like his his out his outlook of the season literally flipped within within twenty minutes of, yeah. of finding out the news and it was that's how big of a signing it is even yeah. if you're even if you get eighty percent of what his potential is it's everything that comes around Dwayne Vermeulen that's what's going to be huge for Ulster I'm not saying Ulster players maybe feared Leinster but a lot of the provinces have a mental block when it comes to Leinster Dwayne Vermeulen isn't going to give a fuck about Leinster or what they have achieved or what they are you know what they're good at and whatnot. he's not going to care about that and that will only help the likes of uh, you mentioned like the likes of Ethan McElroy these young players who are still very much in a position to be influenced by these senior players they're going to 
just benefits so much. And the likes of I always think of a David McCann here, who's pipped to be such a great player at that position. What a next, what a two years of education he's going to get because yeah. uh, Vermeulen has signed two years, isn't he? You think he's in the twenty twenty? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Two two years of you know there's no better coach in the world for that position than who they just got in, and yeah. I think that's that's where you'll see the main difference with Ulster because we know how talented they are. It's those big days. It's playing your best on the big day. That's when Vermeulen will make his biggest impact, and I hope he stays healthy for the two years because I want to see him play in the league that Connacht play, and I know it's probably not going to be great. But I saw someone tweet out: "You've got Vermeulen, uh, Kalen Doris, and." Um, uh, I can't think of the guy from Munster now. Oh, for some Gavin Coombs as well. Gavin Coombs yeah. and Abraham Papali'i as your big powerhouse eights in the provinces. Yeah, yeah. So it's going to be a lot of timber hitting against a lot of timber. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I look forward to it. So oh, definitely, same, it's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. Is there anyone else that we... I know that was the main one sign, but is there yeah. anyone else that what, at least you're excited a little bit about? Yeah, well, in terms of in terms of signings or, or pre-season, so the other guy who joined us was McCarney. Um and uh, he came over as a sort of he's a sort of a mercenary player, but he he's uh, he's been really good, and um, by all accounts is a very solid player. So he's come um, to bolster the second row. Uh, we're we're a bit light there at the minute. Uh, one of our young guys, a very promising young guy called Cormac Isachukwu, uh, who came through the Ulster Academy, got injured, a uh, fairly bad injury, so we'll rule him out for a uh, large part of the season. So Mick Carney was basically brought in to uh, fill a gap there. And I have to say, been really impressed with him in the first couple of games. I sort of thought, do you know, we signed um, a guy, Ian Nagel, a couple of years ago, a few years ago now. Um, and I sort of thought, oh, journeyman, it'd be all right. McCarney looks like he could be um, in contention, you know, to start in, in, in our strongest team potentially, um, if he keeps up his form anyway. So McCarney came in. Um, and then in terms of guys um, who have been promoted, um, there's a guy, again, you, you'll have seen him if, if, if you watch the games there, a very noticeable guy, Bradley Roberts, um, who's. Uh, who's come from club rugby, he's taken an unusual route. Uh, he came from Rainy Old Boys, uh, South African. Um, obviously, playing out of his skin for Rainy. Ulster sort of kept an eye on him, tracked his progress. Adam McBurney, who's our sort of um, third-choice hooker, moved on to Edinburgh, opened up this space for Bradley Roberts, who's come in and taken the opportunity with both hands. He's been super, like, um, all over the park, uh, forcing turnovers, jackling, tackling, carrying, Um Really impressed with Bradley Roberts. I, again, sort of a ginger mullet. For, for, I was right? going to say, he's the guy with the mullet, isn't he? Yeah, yeah I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah. Ginger mullet. And that's, uh, do you know, I think uh, I'm probably not alone whenever I saw him come on for the first time. I really chuckled and really got behind him. I, he nearly scored uh, on his debut. Um, and I think it was a bit of a novelty here, sort of like this guy. Uh, he just looks a bit funny. He's actually he's a quality player and um, he looks like he'll be our, our, our number two hooker now. There's a bit of competition, it's just what he needs with Rob Herring. Rob Herring will be the number one as long as he wants to uh, stay at Ulster. Uh, he'll be our number one. Bradley Roberts is there to deputise though and um, he's, he's been really good. Um, in terms of guys, uh, in terms of guys step, making a step up from the academy, there's a bunch of guys as well. Do you know? Um, and you mentioned one of them there, David McCann, um, who's um, a really highly rated um, back row. Um, he's a wee bit more understated than um, the likes of Dwayne Vermeulen, <laughs> uh, which isn't which isn't hard, but. 
Um, in terms of what McCann's like, he's he's a bit of an old-fashioned um, uh, back rower. He, he can sort of play across the back row. He's he's been put in an eight a few times. I personally see him as more of a six. Um, um, he, he's uh, he's still he's still very young. I think he's twenty-one. Um, but he's he's been impressive. Any cameo that he's had, he's come on and uh, done really well, carried well, tackled well, looked enthusiastic, and uh, has a big future ahead of him. Um, and th- th- there are a couple of other guys there. The, the, the one that I sort of want to focus on is Na- uh, Nathan Duke, who's Neil Duke's son. You remember he, he played for Ulster, Ulster as well. Um, it's his son who's come through the ranks. Uh, Nathan Duke. I would put money on him playing over 50 times for Ireland. I think Nathan Duke is one of the next big things uh, to, to come out of Ulster. Um, he he played in that first game against Saracens and in fairness had a difficult day, but it was largely due to the, the pack in front of him. Um, but even the way he carried himself in that game, he, he, uh, he did quite well in the circumstances, but the way he carried himself, he has a huge amount of confidence and if you speak to the guys in and around the squad at Ulster, all of them will say Nathan Duke is top class. He's quality and he's one to watch for the future. Um, I'm sorry, I'm just giving you a list now of, of players. I'll give you... I'll give okay. you- well, it segues into the nice one of the next one, which is the the players you think will make a break through this year. And I, I assume you're Nathan Doak. I know you put it out to your Instagram followers. Yeah. You know, kind of who, uh, did he get a lot of votes? I'd imagine. He yeah. Did. Yeah. So these guys that I'm listing, so pretty much everyone was in, in, in the agreement. There was basically four, potentially five. So Doak, McCann, Reed, uh, McElroy, Ethan McElroy, and uh, Bradley Roberts, who we've discussed already. So um, th- those those three have mentioned. The, the other one, Callum Reed, is a prop. Um, really dynamic prop, one of these sort of modern props, great ball carrier, love to see it, made a great break against Saracens, nothing better than watching a prop make a break, they don't fully know what to do. It's like watching a cow break free from the field and they're just, they're just sort of running for the sake of it, they don't really know where to go. <laughs> I know, but it's great to see and in fairness, his close, close quarter carrying is brilliant as well. Um, set piece solid for a young prop as we all know props aren't bored until they're in their sort of late 20s Callum Reid might be the exception to this because he's already um, he's already looking good we have actually we're not that strong in terms of in terms of depth at loose heads we're maybe looking a wee bit uh, a wee bit wee bit slim there but because um, Jack McGrath's out for the entire season um, and for, for a lot of last season as well but Callum Reid, uh, Eric O'Sullivan are both there as well. Um, uh, and uh, Callum Reid will get a lot of game time. So I expect a lot, of, a lot of these guys will get game time. The other one I mentioned there is Ethan McElroy, who's sh- sort of flown under the radar a bit. Um, and that's that's not anything um, due to him. It's the, we have so much, uh, our back three is actually really stacked with talent. Um, it's one of the one of the positions that will stir that no issue filling. And there is, there's plenty of competition there. Because um, I suppose you've got Balakun and Stockdale, and um, and you, you've got Gilroy in there as well, um, McElroy as well. He, he's providing Rob Little uh, as, as another one. McElroy, really good feet, um, really electric, explosive, and um, I see him getting a lot more game time as well. Um, and there's no uh, no massive weaknesses as far as I can tell in terms of in terms of his game. Um, 
I, I expect to see him. He was another very common response when I stuck this up on Instagram. People came back. A lot of people came back saying Ethan McElroy is one to watch. So, um, yeah. So those those are the main guys that I would I would keep an eye on next season. There's plenty there, and um, Ulster went a while without producing that many. We got a lot of criticism bringing in players. A lot of guys came up from Leinster, um, and we we're criticised for that. Even like our own fans were very critical of of overly relying on that conveyor belt of talent from Leinster. But these guys um, are coming through now, which is great to see. And as you were saying earlier, um, having the likes of McCann um, being sort of mentored by Vermeulen, what better mentor could you get? Um, it's fantastic. So, okay, yeah, looking forward to see these guys explode under the scene this, this season. Yeah, definitely. No, it's also I do have a, a plethora of, of talent there, as you said. Um, in terms of the season ahead, then, Peter, what is exciting you the most apart from Dwayne Vermeulen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be, that would be the, the obvious one. Uh, in terms of um, what excites me most about this season, probably um, there have been some early indications of a new playing style or tactic, um, keeping our options open uh, in terms of our attacking style. Um, Dan Super, um, as I, I talked about him earlier, um, Dan Super is the new assistant coach, and with that, he's bringing uh, between him and Dan McFarland, bringing in this sort of new, uh, less predictable style of attack, setting up a lot of rocks in the middle of the pitch, and then having pods, pods of forge either side of the rock, and having two playmakers either side as well, so you can go either way. Now that's easier said than done. Uh, in terms of actually getting the execution of that right. But I'm excited to see how that works because you can be unpredictable and do something a wee bit different to other teams. I think that's the problem with modern rugby in general. Every every team um, is, is so well-organised and well-drilled and equally defences are well-drilled. It'll be very interesting to see these two playmakers setting up either side of a ruck in the middle of the pitch. No more of this sort of working your way back and forward across the pitch. You're setting, setting the play up in the middle, which will be great. A new rule with the the fifty uh, twenty two uh, kicking rule as well will um, open up space for our backs. Um, I think we have very uh, very exciting backs, particularly uh, our back three. Um, we, we saw um, uh, Mike Lowry, who again you'll have seen you'll have seen him play a lot for Ulster already. He uh, he's primarily been played at. 15, but the fact that he, he can come up and play at 10 easily, so you can have the likes of Burns or Madigan or Lowry, all those playmakers coming up and receiving the ball and distributing, um, which is very exciting. Um, so, yeah, that extra wee bit of space uh, will be great. I'm also excited to see um, James Hugman's returned um, from a, a bit of an injury and come back um, this season. And he, he just looks a lot bigger. Um, he's a guy who again he'll, he'll play for Ireland. He'll get he'll get a number of caps for Ireland, um, and kick on from where 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 he is at the minute. And uh, he just looks bigger, more dynamic. Um, really uh, solid start to, to in preseason there, and expect to see a lot from him. So, yeah, the obvious answer. What I'm excited about Dwayne Vermeulen, but also this sort of new unpredictable playing style. Um, a, a new variety in, in the attack, uh, which will be great to watch. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a massive James Hume fan myself. I think he's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully he does kick on. Um, and then on the opposite side, then Peter, what what worries you ahead of the season? Um, I think depth would be one thing. So 
I think you look at the Ulster uh, starting 15 and go, that's that's pretty good. Uh, in terms of injuries, um, if we get a few injuries in the pack, which inevitably happens, I think statistically you're sort of you can expect about a third of your your squad to be out injured as the as the season wears on. Uh, in terms of depth, it's really important um, because of of the way the new competition is structured. Um, that you put out a, a pretty strong team in every game right, in terms of depth. I'd just be worried about getting injuries. No issue with our, our starting 15, um, no issues with that. It's just the guys coming in, whether there's enough depth. Um, ironically, in, in the back row, despite strengthening with Vermeulen, um, I would be a wee bit worried about just the lack of depth there um, uh, coming through. So, um, that would be that would be one thing I'd be most worried about. Again, I put it out to the, the fans on Instagram, uh, fans of Ulster Rugby, I mean, and um, they came back and were saying that uh, they were worried about size, um, but lack of ball carrier and all these sorts of things. Now, that has been, to, to an extent, sold by Vermeulen. But let's remember, Vermeulen will realistically will be um, he'll, he'll come in, in in sort of December, end of January, or end of November, start of December. He might not play all that much. Um, they might try and limit his his appearances, given um, just the, the the schedule that he'll, he'll have having played for for South Africa. And um, we need we need other guys to step up with ball carry because he won't be he won't be the immediate answer to all of our problems. We need we need other guys to step up and. Um, you look at that back row, Timoney's strong ball carrier. Beyond that, there's not really, in terms of our back row, there's not many natural ball carriers who are going to punch holes in defences. So again, slight concerns over that. But um, okay, I feel stupid complaining now. We've got Vermeulen, you know, and I, I think most most people most people would take their comments back now about oh, I'm a ball carrier. So um, he's a lead. I, I sort of, as I said at the start, sort of on cloud nine. So it's hard to think negatively at the minute about us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> are you are we looking at a potential back row come February time of Timoney, Jordy Murphy, and Dwayne Vermeulen? Yeah, yeah, I think that's um, what what most people are looking at. I'm actually a huge fan of Sean Reedy, and I think um, I think Timoney, Timoney strikes me as more of a natural eight. That's where he's played most of his rugby. I think to facilitate Timoney, given the form that he's been in in the past uh, season or two, um, they will look to they will look to include him as you said at six. Uh, Sean Reedy is one of Ulster's unsung heroes, though. He's um, he's sort of more in the mould of a, a, an old school flanker. He'll make tackles all day long. Um, he'll compete at the sort of at the cool face and rocks. Um, he'll force turn- turnovers. I like that sort of flanker, but uh, I imagine they'll go for for Timoney to give again. It's a more sort of dynamic ball carrying option at six. Um, and there's other options there. Uh, I mean, in terms of giving giving another line out option as well, um, Timoney can jump in the line out. Um, there's likes of Greg Jones, Matty Ray in there at six as well. So there's a bit of depth, but uh, quality depth is, is what we need. And I suppose um, it is. It uh, Jordy Murphy. I think I would. I would Jordy Murphy again. Um, he took a while. He came up the Ulster, and it's, uh, I think the expectation was he'd put himself in the shop window for Ireland uh, again. That didn't really happen for him. Uh, it took a while to get started, but he's really he's really come on, and um, he started to play some really good rugby. Uh, he's just uh, he's it happened to be over a preseason. Hopefully, he's back back from injury soon. So quite quite a 
very formidable back row, which is great. It's impressive, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Now, in fairness to Jordy Murphy, as you said, uh, he left Leinster after winning Champions Cup, I believe. Like I'm sure it wasn't his desire to go necessarily up to Ulster, but he seems to have taken in a stride, and now he's you know playing some great stuff again. So you know, I'm always happy to see boys like that do well. Um, we'll finish up with this then, Peter. What are you? What will be a, a, a happy result for this season as an Ulster fan? What's yeah. the, give me your your base level optimism, and then obviously your dreamland uh, <laughs> optimism. So um, I think you have to um, you have to aim high, um, and yeah, I suppose when you aim, aim high, you can only be disappointed. But I'd rather aim high and be disappointed than to settle for mediocrity. And that's sort of what it settled for before the signing of Vermeulen. I think realistically, Ulster need to win something. They haven't won anything in years. And um, no, in terms of is that achievable, can we compete with the top teams in Europe? I think we're maybe a, a, a couple of signings away. We probably need another two sort of top-class players to, to come into the squad. In terms of... Um, in terms of what I would like to do this season, I'd like to win all our home matches. Um, I'd like to progress to at least the quarters of the Heineken. Um, and I'd like to give a good account of ourselves in the United Rugby Championship. Now, in terms of winning a trophy, I would love to do that. I think we have a window of opportunity here where we have a top class, uh, we have a world-class player it might take another season from the bed in. I think we um, we look we look ahead to silverware next season if we're going to do that. That might be that might be overly ambitious, but at the end of the day, that's what you have to aim for. So, um, if we won all of our home home matches, we beat uh, we beat our provincial rivals. Be very happy about that. If we could do Leinster <laughs> at home. <laughs> be delighted um and yeah beyond that i'm not gonna i'm not gonna even contemplate winning something massive this year but maybe next year i think that's a good point yeah almost this year is a get everything set up but for mulan and then target that full season of them next year i think that's a that's smart but look at you have to set out, your, as you say, you have to be positive. You hope that the, the players and the management are also thinking that, that they want to win something this year. Ulster are, Ulster are in that weird sort of zone of they're a really good team, but they're just, as you say, just lacking that top, top tier level of teams. And yeah. with the addition of South African teams, it's only going to get harder in the URC. But um, yeah. I definitely will be supporting Ulster, obviously, after Connacht. I hope that they do as well as possible. Um, and look, Peter, we'll wrap it up there. Peter, thank you very much for joining us. Peter, obviously, pr- plug your socials there on your podcast. Uh, so if you want to follow Ulster Rugby Lad on Instagram, Twitter, Peter Lockhart, um, uh, at DP Lockhart and then uh, if any Ulster fans are listening uh, there's a Facebook page as well where there's a lot of chat about, uh, about Ulster Rugby on there as well so thanks very much Stephen really really enjoyed that no problem man we'll do it again maybe later in the season or maybe ahead of the Interpros we'll, Absolutely. we'll definitely do something good man great. Peter thank you Talk cheers you thanks Stephen